0: Welcome to CORE 242 Podcast, brought to you by CORE Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. God bless you and thank you so much for joining us today as we continue on the study of Beatitudes. Last week we have covered uh, ch- verse chapter 5, verse 3 of Matthew, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Today we're going in verse 4 where it talks about blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted and as we were doing the research i found a really good quote that really connects connects the the two beatitudes and we even last week we said that uh, as we go through it we're going to see the connections from one to another to another it's just not a random uh, thoughts or teachings uh, or phrases it's uh, actually a full teaching about uh, what god has for us from the beginning to the end and uh, the favor that we have to seek the kingdom of heaven, Again. The quote says, Second Beatitude builds on our mental recognition of our poverty of spirit by adding an emotional response of sorrow. So we're going to look into this blessed are, the, are those who mourn and really try to figure out how those things are connected and what does the word mourn really mean? And for those of you who were not... Um, who were not able to listen to our previous teaching, first thing that we wanna dive into is the
1: word blessed. So the word blessed comes from the Greek makarios, which uh, was more of a celebratory exclamatory phrase. Uh, There's actually no verb in these blessings and it leaves kind of an awkward ring in your ears, similar to the way it does in English, Although that's been diminished by adding, we've we've placed in there, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, um, for each of these Beatitudes. The word are is not there in the original text. So it might be more appropriate. Some, some commentaries have translated, oh, happy is the one, um, congratulations to, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of different ways that this has been interpreted throughout the years um, to try to capture the essence of when Jesus says blessed, He's not saying it as a future suggestion. He is speaking it into existence uh, the same way that you would congratulate someone who just earned a degree or uh, just landed a job. You wouldn't do it in in uh, anticipation of the event. You would do it after the fact. And so a lot of times we've read these Beatitudes and it's blessed are the poor in spirit as though at some point in the future or blessed are those who mourn at some point in the future. And while there is a future component to it, what we have to realize is that Jesus, as he spoke these words, was speaking them into existence outside of time, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He was declaring that in the kingdom of God, those who mourn are blessed now. And and he was ushering in the kingdom, taking the kingdom, which we said was upside down because of sin and fallenness. And through these declarations, he was making the kingdom right side up. And so where those who would grieve and mourn would be seen as people who were cursed or something bad had happened, and maybe it, you know they were mourning or there was grief because of their direct sin, it was seen as that it's the result of sin collectively throughout humanity, the brokenness and fallenness of the world that we suffer these things. And Christ made it right side up by saying, those who mourn, will now be comforted. In fact, they will receive a comforter, which is something that we'll talk about as we get into the text later today.
0: Yeah, the the word mourn, um, this verse has been such a, uh, a verse that brought a lot of comfort to people when they lose somebody. But the mourning, when, when we think of the this word of being in mourning or grieving um, is a time of lost somebody dies somebody you lose something um i i think this this emotion goes through a lot of things even uh, you mourn a, a lost relationship you mourn it's a, a loss of job it's something when, when you're when, when something is missing and as we look into this we realize that uh, just like trish says because it, it doesn't make sense why we would be blessed if if We're mourning, why we're blessed, because there's sorrow being added to us. But we have to look at it as a whole text. So if we're talking about poor in spirit of those who humble themselves right before God and realizing that compared to his holiness, we are nothing. And then the second part of the second beatitude shows that we mourn because we look around and see the sin. And then that brings us grief. But our
1: heart breaks over the things that break God's heart. And that's what's really being captured here so while the loss of a loved one a family member a friend that grief is very palpable very real um it's a very difficult process that we need to be honest about scripture does say that we should grieve not as the world grieves but mm-hmm. it does recognize that we have a need to grieve yeah. uh, this is not limited just to that uh, more narrow focus of having lost a relationship or a job or a loved one the sort of grief that we go through in a very uh, mortal sense it's talking about the spiritual mourning uh the that our heart would be burdened and weighed down uh that we would lament over the things that break the heart of god and getting into that word lament so the word here is not just that those who grieve grieve is an inward state of being it's it's a sense of sadness over loss maybe there's anger and we know that there's five stages of grief the first one being denial well this word here for mourn is is an active um, it's different from grief which is inward it's an outward expression of our grief uh mourning or lament lament was a very biblical it was actually a form of worship mm-hmm. over 40 percent of the psalms are songs of lament and similar to the five stages of grief lament has four stages uh the first one that's eliminated is denial because if you're in denial then you're not actually lamenting because lament as i mentioned is an active
0: response uh, it's an
1: active response Mm -hmm. and so the other stages are turning that you turn towards god uh with your emotions with your honesty with your truth telling um it's almost a prophetic turning and in this not again not in the sense of telling the future but prophetic in the sense of being honest about your state, about the state of the world and the brokenness that's all around you, about the sinfulness that's in your own heart and turning towards God instead of turning away from God. Um, the second is complaining. So you bring your complaint before God, which is an act of faith in and of itself because before an almighty and holy God, yeah. to bring a complaint instead of, you know, it's, it's easy to sing happy songs of worship and praise, but to come to God with your frustration, with your disappointment, with your complaint, Um, with your pain and your sorrow is a totally different type of worship. Um, The third is asking that you actually make a request for God to intervene. And you realize that he is the only one that your grief, that your mourning, your lament, your sin and the brokenness and fallenness around you is not fixable by anything that you can do. And that only by asking him and him alone, uh, is there any hope for the future? And then the last stage is trusting. It's that we finish our lament with that hope. Uh, and trust that God will make things right. Uh, and so lament was a form of worship. It was something that was done regularly. There's actually a festival, not a festival, it's the opposite of a festival. But in July, uh, the ancient Israelites would take a time to celebrate. And even now they still do uh, during July to, uh, to grieve. There's not, it's not celebrate. It's the opposite. It's to mourn. It's the lament. We've so lost this practice in the modern church that it's actually, I'm stumbling over my words because it's difficult to talk about. We don't communally take time to grieve and to mourn, unless it's specifically during the time of a funeral. And even that we don't, most of the time, we don't know how to wrestle with grief very well.
0: Yeah. And just realizing that grief and mourning is definitely one of those uh, emotions that doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual walk, you turn to God. Like being, being a pastor for all those years, being a chaplain in a secular motorcycle community, being, being a, a high school teacher for over 20 years, it doesn't matter where your faith is or who do you believe in, when trouble hits, you seek God for, or you're angry at God but you're turning towards God right. most of the time when there's time of peace and happiness, most of us don't turn to God. We don't praise him for those things. And definitely those who don't have faith in God, but in bad times, when things happen, especially the heart things, things that grieve your, your heart and uh, you come to terms of mourning, you know, that's when it doesn't matter where you went, you, you go to God. You realize who's who's the king of king and the po- in the positive way or the negative way it might be out of anger it might be out of denial, it might be out of pleading like you said the all those stages of grieving like there's sometimes of there's lots of anger coming out at God, and sometimes there's pleading right uh so it, even in that even in that emotion that's a blessing because it's it's bringing us before God that that's kind of um, the blessing of it all—that yes, it's it's painful and it's hurtful—and but we're at least we're coming to God, and that's 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 an important part of of that. Because for us as believers, we know what's another end of it. But we, as we mourn, we come to come to God. And you look at it as church was saying, lamenting, and say forty percent of Psalms are written our laments. Like that—that's that, to me. I need to realize something. Most of, most of the Psalms are written by by King David, the man after God's own heart. He was doing something right. He was definitely doing something right. So we yeah, he does that.
1: He doesn't hesitate to lament. Yeah. You know, a really good example of this, there's many, many Psalms, as I mentioned, but I want to just briefly read Psalm 42. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. There's this turning to God. With his sorrow. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. And so here he's already voicing his complaint. He's, he's saying, I remember how I used to celebrate and how I used to lead the the assembly in worship, but now my tears have been my food day and night. In verse 5, he says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from the Mount Mizar." deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls all your waves and breakers have swept over me by day the lord directs his love at night his song is with me a prayer to the god of my life i say to my rock why have you forgotten me why must i go about mourning oppressed by the enemy my bones suffer agony as my foes taunt me saying all day long where is your god why are you downcast O my soul why so disturbed within me put your hope in god for I will yet praise him my savior and my god. And just like all prayer which we've talked about prayer, we we realize that we bring our lament. These I mean these words are powerful words that David speaks. He he admits that his soul is depressed or yeah, downcast. Yeah. That his food is his tears. You know, he admits that his his enemies are making a mockery of him saying, "Where is your God?" and that he's up against all of these, you know, adversaries and yet he brings his request to God and leaves it with trust and there's the but all throughout it there's still this ringing of hope that God and God alone can deliver him that God will come through that God will be faithful and so the prayer doesn't necessarily change the situation it doesn't even necessarily change God but it changes us and as we're honest and as we lament and as we really face and look at our brokenness look at our pain look at our trauma look at our grief Um, do we find healing in the presence of god we have to move out of that stage of denial into active mourning and active lament Um, and we have to bring that practice back into the church so that we can do it where we're not alone in a dark room crying by ourselves but we have the support of a faith community who can always point us back to the hope that we have in christ
0: yeah i mean you you look at christ he um he wept right there there's Three records of Jesus weeping, one over Lazarus, one at the at the, at the Gethsemane, right? And there's one when he come, approaches Jerusalem in the in Luke chapter 19, um, verse 41. It starts off, as he approaches Jerusalem and saw, this, saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. You, you, you hear the grieving in Jesus' heart. He's, he's grieving the Jerusalem his city, the love that he has for him but he's so heartbroken. He's, he, he's, he's just coming coming with with this pain in his heart like that that's a true emotion. So just wanted to pause that because a lot of people again we've thought about this with joy and everything like you're a Christian, everything's happy everything no. we grieve. And here Jesus is grieving about the salvation that was coming to the city and they rejected it, you know. So for us, when we we look around and we see people who are not saved, those who are not walking uh, in the right path with God, we should grieve. We should see the lost sheep. That should bring grievance into our life, but not to overtake us, but to bring bring that to God. And I think that's what God wants us. He wants He wants us to see what He's. I, I love what you say let our hearts break for what breaks his, you know, that, that's a powerful um, thing to be connected to God with. He's holy, he's righteous. And we look around uh, around the world and, and we, will, we seek, we see what's happening to his creation.
1: Yes. And there's through scripture, there's two primary forms of lament. There's individuals who lament, And then there's corporate lament, both of which, like I've mentioned, we need to recover. But in addition to an individual versus corporate, where it was done in the assembly and worship, actually as part of their worship service, there was a time of bringing lament to the Lord. There was also a difference in what was being lamented over. And so there's the lament over individual and corporate sin. But let's not let's remember here the sin is not just um a lack of belief while well, that's part of it the sin that required repentance was the injustice mm-hmm. there was injustice the the workers that were not being paid their wages the you know the oppression that was happening yeah. um, on the scripture, you know the, the destruction of jerusalem because they had chased after other idols so while we say that you know this this morning uh is should be in light of repentance and seeing the sin we also have to remember what that sin is. It's not just a, a self-righteous uh, assessment yeah. of ourselves. Uh, it's, it's realizing the brokenness that's in the world. When we see the poverty, when we see that there are people who are starving, when we see the racial injustices, when we see the systemic um, oppression of, of entire people groups, the war that's all around us, those things should grieve our souls. We should not just watch the news and become numb to it. Uh, but these things should move us into prayer should move us into a prayer of lament where we would like Jesus weep over the fact that these things are happening because we live in a sinful and fallen world and as we do we move the heart of God towards the day of redemption to when he makes everything right
0: yeah it's i i'm i'm I'm, r- I'm wrecking my brain and I'm, um, I'm really trying to remember but I think it was Isaiah. I'm, I'm not 100% so sure, but but there, there's an amazing thing when he's being confronted, the prophet gets confronted about what's going on in life, and he comes before God and says, we have sinned against you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, when we're talking about this lament, this way of worshiping and prayer, it's not like, look at those people. It's like, it's like the Pharisee, look at that tax collector. You know, no, it's not. It's it's us. We it's us. We're we are the broken people, and even though we are saved by grace and by mercy, we got to remember we're saved by grace and mercy that we could be just like those people who are, who are broken, who are lost within seconds, within moments, when something happens. So we should not get like you said this judgmental place, but a place of brokenness of like, God, we all need you we all need you that's why i'm coming before you because i know that pain i feel that pain i can connect to the pain as a human being i can connect to that pain and i know we need freedom from it and we know that we need you to heal our land at this point
1: but it's realizing the fallenness and sinfulness of the collective people our collective humanity but realizing first and foremost right that that we are, we are sinners. Uh, the worst of us is the sinner um, that's within ourselves. And to, I, it reminds me of the picture in Isaiah, when he, Isaiah chapter six, when he, Isaiah stands before the throne of the Lord, and he gets a glimpse of the holiness and the righteousness and mm-hmm. the beauty that is in heaven, uh, where God's throne is, and he hears The angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Mm -hmm. whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound, just the sound shook the doorposts and the thresholds and filled the temple with the noise. And we don't even know how much he's seen at this point, but just this glimpse, just the sound alone was enough to move Isaiah to the point of lament. Mm -hmm. And this is a great example of lament. He says, woe to me. It's the opposite of a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. He says, woe Mm -hmm. to me. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And this example of lament, like you said, it recognizes the fallenness and the brokenness all around him. The sinfulness, let's call it what it is, the sinfulness, the unrighteousness of the people uh, in his community. But he identifies himself first and foremost when we stand in the presence of God, when we come with lament, when we come with prayer, we allow God to shine a light on the deepest, darkest corners of ourselves and expose those parts that need to be cleaned out, the spots where there's skeletons in the closet or where there's cobwebs that need to be uh, cleared away because it, there's a vulnerability that comes with it, that we, we recognize that the world is broken and it's broken because of us. While we can't carry the weight of the entire world on our shoulders, we can recognize our place within this broken tapestry, that the reason that the state of the world is the way that it is, is because of our collective selfishness, our collective, what we would wanna call free will, but is actually rebellion against God. And the beautiful part, which gets into the comfort, which is the the last part of today's sermon, is that after Isaiah praised this lament, uh, one of the seraphs flew over with a live coal and takes it um, with tongs from the altar. He touched his mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And so there's this beautiful imagery that instantaneously, when we enter into worship with lament, when we enter into prayer with lament, that, that God sends comfort, not in an abstract way, but in a very concrete way. Isaiah was convicted about the words that had come out of his mouth and that his lips were unclean. And how could he possibly be a prophet with sin in his mouth and the the angel attends to they don't take away the sins from his hands or his feet but he specifically touches his lips and his lips the guilt is atoned for and so whatever it is that we come and we recognize is broken you know maybe it's our broken heart maybe it's our broken mind maybe it's trauma from our past when we come with that lament the lord immediately sends comfort uh, and more beautifully now, because of what Christ has done on the cross and, and God resurrecting Him from the dead, we now have the Holy Spirit who was with us always. So the Holy Spirit is identified as the Comforter, and the Holy Spirit makes His dwelling within us and among us, and comforts us. In fact, praise prayers of lament, right when we don't even know how to pray those prayers of lament. Scripture says that with uh, with groanings of the, the Holy Spirit Romans chapter 8 26 and 27 how the Spirit intercedes with Groanings when we don't have even have words to express the Holy Spirit laments on our behalf uh, So not only is the Holy Spirit there to give us comfort But the Holy Spirit will actually lifts the lament off of our shoulders and intercedes in lament for us such a beautiful picture of the comforter and the way that Jesus is announcing uh, the coming of the Holy spirit through this new kingdom that he's ushering in through the Beatitudes.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's to me. I love that there's comfort. I love that there's place. I love that we can come, come back to him. I love it. Jeremiah has the kind of the same thing as, as Isaiah. It's first, there's a lament. Uh, this is Jeremiah 321 it says, a cry is heard on the, On the barren heights, the weeping and pleading of people of Israel because they have perverted their ways and have forgiven the Lord, forgotten the Lord their God. So there's this lamentation coming from the whole uh, people of Israel. But then verse 22, return faithless people. I will cure you of backsliding. Yes, we will come to you for you are the Lord our God. So there's that hope. There's that comfort. So yes, we can come. We're broken. We're sinful. We have sinned. Um, but we can come to him because he is our Lord, he is our God. He, he, he will be there uh, to, to comfort us, to forgive us, to show mercy, to show grace. And the, the hope that we have on this other side, right, we're reading from the Old Testament. It's all these prophets who, who hoped for what they have not seen, seen would never see, right? Here we're on the other side, how blessed we are on the other side of, of the Bible. right? We, we, we get to read this. We get to experience the Holy Spirit, the comforter. right? Jesus talks about the comforter for us. He says that it's better for him to leave us so, he the, can, comforter so, so the comforter can come. That is beyond, I know the disciples' understanding. Like, what do you mean you're going to leave us? What is better than being with you? you know so just just that uh, that hope um should brings us comfort in our, in our time of mourning it should brings it should really comfort us to know that uh, we're not alone uh in John chapter 14 he talks about that right um if if we turn to to John John fourteen he he's there he's talking about bringing the comforter to us talking about that we're not gonna be orphans right he's not leaving us just just for us to kind of fend for ourselves um, he says and I will ask the father father and he will give you another counselor uh, that word is also comforter to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor know him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans; I will come to you. I, that's comfort.
1: It is, and I I think it's beautiful that you know we in lament we just turn to the Lord, but the Lord actually promises to come to us. We don't even have to come to Him; He mm-hmm. He comes. And he approaches us to give us comfort. He comes to where we are because in our brokenness, we're not able to come to him. We're not able, we don't even have the strength. All we have to do is turn and ask for his help. And the word for comforted that's in Matthew 5, 4, uh, comes from paracaleo, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is to call alongside. Mm -hmm. So someone who comforts you is someone who comes alongside you, that ministry of presence, right? Just being there with you, wiping your tears, uh, crying with you, whatever it takes. Uh, that word is actually used in Job, but in a negative way, Job tells his friends that they're miserable comforters. <laughs> um, they apparently didn't do a good job. Uh, but here Jesus promises, uh, it's that same verb. He says that, for they will be comforted, the paracaleo, which is to be that someone will be com- called alongside. And then when you look in, in John chapter 14, which you just read, the the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. Mm-hmm. The one who comes alongside, who not only comes alongside to comfort, but is also another translation is the advocate, like a legal term. Yeah. The one who advocates on our behalf so that we are even when we do seek the Lord, even when we do lament and bring our complaint before the Lord, the Holy Spirit is advocating on our behalf and verifying our lament before God, the father, um, in order to to appeal to God, the father's heart so that he hears our cry. And there's a prophetic nature to it that as we lament, as we pour out our complaints, we create access for the Father to move in us and around us and in the world um, to respond to the lament and to make the things right that are upside down. Just as Jesus is proclaiming to do here through all of the Beatitudes, he's taking this upside down world and he's making it right side up. When we participate in lament, we get to actively participate in that act of making the upside down kingdom right side up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I loved when we were going through it. You gave me a little bit of uh, Greek grammar and everything else, but when you taught me like that word for comforted, is the parakaleo, mm-hmm. is the verb. It's the verb of action of comforting somebody. But I love that out of that comes the noun.
1: Paracletos, which
0: is, paraclitos, paraclitos, yeah. which is the, whole, the, the word for the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's just an amazing part that we take this action of comfort into a person of comfort, which is the Holy Spirit, who is the, the whole, the whole, the comforter, who is God Almighty that comes before us. I, I just was so excited. I, I know it's it's little things, but when you actually know. No Greek, you know the the language and no grammar. A which, little
1: bit of it, at least. Yeah, so. a little
0: bit of it, and actually knowing the grammar of what is verb and what is noun very is very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard, but again, blessed are the those who mourn, for they would be comforted. We need to recognize that, yeah, this is a time of mourning as we look around and we see the sin, the fallen world, and everything else. But in, but we through Jesus Christ. We know that this is not the end, that we are comforted. We will be comforted. I know that because, again, we, we're on the other side of the, of the written Bible. V- Revelation 21, 4 speaks exactly unto that. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is our comfort. That's what we hold on for. It is now, but not yet.
1: But for now, our worship times, our times of prayer should include more of that prophetic lament. That's uh, actually a book that was written by a mentor of mine, Chan Ra, who talks about prophetic lament and the need to have an honest assessment of the world we live in now, to just come every Sunday and have joyful, happy worship songs and to not embrace the current reality. So many people are walking around and, and they've been, they have been—they carry this hurt or they're grieving and they have real problems and we're not just supposed to sing it away. There no. should be a time and space for real lament about what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in our personal lives, what's happening in our communities mm-hmm. and to bring to create that space and to bring that lament to the Lord and realize that it is an act of worship in and of itself. And as we do so, we create this prophetic space for God to move until that time, the not yet, when he will make all things new.
0: Yeah. And just like I mentioned, the prophet, it was actually Daniel that, that spoke those things about forgive us, listen to us, come to us. <laughs> the, those are those spoken. It is an us thing uh, as a body, first as a body of Christ body of believers and then as, as humanities but remember again lament looks like we turn to god we complain bring our complaints to god we ask him and then we trust him that is lament it's not just throwing rocks at him and shaking their hands there's there's steps to it that brings us so much hope
1: we find it, comfort it brings us comfort side.
0: And brings us comfort. So I, I, we really pray that you would uh, really take this, this teaching to heart and put a little bit into it in your personal time and your corporate times with, um, with your body of believers, so that you would be comforted in this uh, this time.
1: And I would just make a special invitation for those of you who are grieving or in a season of mourning and lament right now, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So I would encourage you to just know that you're not alone. We always say, know that you are loved and covered in prayer. But in a real tangible way, I know that a lot of times there's not much space for grief uh, in the church. And we, I'm not talking about other churches, we, the church at large, uh, need to create that space. And so I would encourage you to reach out to us. You can call us at 773-599-1055, or you can email us at corechurch two four two at gmail.com we would be more than happy to pray with you just until that time know that you are loved and
0: covered in prayer be blessed thank you for spending time with us during this episode we pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding god if you'd like to contact us please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com until next time know you are loved and covered in prayer